0: Well, hi there. It's uh it's been a hot second since I have dropped anything on here, but I decided that I wanted to come back to it and that I wanted to just sort of secretly start releasing some thoughts for whoever happens to find them and can get value. From them. So if you have found this, congratulations. You are a part of the Super Secret Film Club. And hopefully, you're going to get either something fun or informational out of this. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the project that I did with Cody Fry. There are a bunch of projects that I've done over the years that I have never really gotten the chance to tell more of the story of publicly. And this was one of the favorite projects that I've ever gotten to do. So it feels like it makes sense to start with this one and then maybe work my way back. Cody is someone who I met a few years ago when I was working on a potential web series. I was working on a sort of branded content mini doc for Kickstarter with my friends over at Ivy studios on their board game. And we were also working on this sort of concept piece that they wanted to do on basically people who do a variety of things to do what they love. And so like Ivy is an example because they started out as a animation studio and then now they also make board games and they have had a coffee shop. And so they just sort of like, don't let themselves get boxed in and they do what they love. And I think that's super cool. And they wanted to potentially try and tell that story in a bigger way, which is an idea that honestly I would still love to do. It's something that's I'm really passionate about inside of Challenger is finding the ways to do what you love. And I think you'll see that inside the new podcast a lot. But um, so one of the people that we talked to in the course of this was Cody. And so I had heard of him. I knew that he was doing music for IV. But I don't think I'd ever met him before, so my first time meeting him was getting to interview him, and I was immediately a very big fan of how Cody shows up in the world. His attitude, he's obviously an incredible musician. he I mean, there's really nothing to not like about Cody, in my opinion, but one of the funny things about being at his studio was that we were interviewing Seth Worley, who was also part of that project, and <laughs> at one point... I was uh, easy rig interviewing. We had this table as like a foreground element, and I knocked over this like candlestick holder that was glass, and it broke. And I felt really bad. It turned into one of those classic like inside jokes where, uh, you know, Cody was uh, fake mad. I hope it was fake mad, and I was really embarrassed. But uh, his wife was very apologetic, and I'm pretty sure Sam. From IV, ended up replacing that candlestick holder right away. So, if you have ever broken anything on set or at a client's house, you're not the first one. I could probably do a whole podcast episode just on accidents on set, which I probably shouldn't admit publicly, but it's true. There have been broken windows, broken filters, broken candlestick holders. Uh, we've broken a lot of stuff. You got you got to break eggs to make omelets, you know. So anyway, that was how I first met Cody and the guys at IV and us store, sort of stayed in touch. And I think that's actually exactly how I got pulled back in with Cody. So Cody, a little while later, asked me about directing and shooting a music video for him that was a little more concepted. I was really interested. I loved the song and I ended up bailing. And honestly, I was sort of overwhelmed. I think it, you know it was in a funny phase for me and Shooting a music video in Nashville with a lot of scenes felt overwhelming. The budget felt tight. I didn't feel like I was a very good like writer and concept director, and so I ended up sort of just passing on it, which in some ways I feel bad about, and in some ways I think is probably for the best, because I just don't think I was necessarily ready to do that at that point. But somehow Cody ended up calling me back to shoot the symphony sessions and Sam and I, I think, had talked a little bit about what was going on with Cody with I Hear Symphony going uh, super viral on TikTok, and I do think that Sam was probably the one who reminded Cody of my existence. I don't know that for a fact, but I just know that Sam seems to always be in my corner, and so when, you know, Cody came up with the symphony sessions, I think Sam was the one who was like, hey, you should call Evan to do like a doc on this. So the lesson there, I would say, is that... The people who are in your corner are so valuable. Sam is someone who has always been in my corner. And I don't think I realized that and appreciated that enough until recently. There are certain people who hopefully you will get to learn more about over time as I continue telling these stories who, since I was a teenager in many ways, have been in my back, on my back, pushing me forward pulling me into new places. And Sam is one of those people and I'm super grateful for him. So anyway, we had interviewed Cody um, and then last summer, uh, I think it was like June or something. I got the call from Cody that was like, Hey, would you be interested in shooting something? I'm doing this project called the symphony sessions. And the main imperative was social content. It was sort of this idea that like, I want just some like in the room snippets, very fly on the wall, Unproduced but cinematic feeling things that I can put out to tell the story of the symphony sessions. And so I think we originally talked about doing like four or five snippets, which could be 15 seconds long and it could be five minutes long. And Cody was just sort of like, I trust your ability to pick up on what's important. So do that and give me whatever you feel good about. And so that was sort of the game plan. Um, outside of that, you know, we had to get gear together, figure out a plan. I ended up flying with my FX9, my A7R4, I believe, and a few lenses. I want to say I had like a 24 millimeter G Master. Um, I want to say like the 35 millimeter Sigma Prime and maybe like an 85 or something. I don't remember exactly, to be honest. I don't remember having a zoom, which. Normally, I feel like I would recently, but maybe for the best, I committed to like, I'm just going to be intentional with this. Didn't do an easy rig or anything, just sort of chain gunned the FX9 the whole time. Had a Rode a video mic or video wireless go to whatever it's called, their little wireless lav, and I put that on Cody all day. That was one of the things we talked about is wanting some of the sound bites, the sort of interactions and stuff. So we loved him up all day, didn't want to have a sound guy in the room because it was definitely... Cramped, and there was just a lot going on, and also made the decision that we were going. I wanted to interview him ahead of time, partially just so I could know what the heck was going on on the day of, and partially so that we would potentially have interview content if it made any sense for telling the story. Because there was some potential that we were going to be able to like ask him questions on the day, but I had a hunch that that wasn't going to be feasible. I wasn't flying with a bunch of lights, and you just never know how that's going to go. So I was like, hey, can we interview you beforehand? So we ended up hopping on Riverside like a week before or four days before or something. And I asked Cody a bunch of questions. He recorded his stuff locally. And, you know, I just wanted to get this story. And I think it's important to get that story, even if you're not using it, because it affects how you show up. And that's really why I did it. But he ended up he's he's an incredible person at articulating his intent. He has a lot of clarity. I find that anyone that has clarity in what they're doing tends to be pretty good at articulating it. And he shows up that way for me. So that is to say that, you know, I, I could talk about interview techniques and questions and stuff, but it really was mostly just a conversation and me following my curiosity and him being really good at explaining what he was doing. And you know part of that i think is he is doing what he loves he is he is living a really compelling story and i think a lot of the times bad interviews are partially from bad questions like you definitely there's a skill to setting things up well but there's a level of when you are working with compelling people and you ask decent questions like decent to good. If you can get great questions, great. But you can get questions that don't suck. You can set up a lot of things that are great. One example that I give at the risk of um offending this person if they listen to it, but it's true. I was I was sitting in the side of an interview at one point last year, and I heard a director ask the owner of a very to me, a very compelling business, very compelling story. Uh, why they do what they do, how they do what they do. It was a compelling, uh, situation. And the director asked the question, what sets you apart from your competitors? And you know, the person based on the way they've been prepped responded to that question with the answer. Well, what, what sets X and Y apart from our competitors is that we X and Y, and it was just like, ugh, snore. I don't, ugh. I don't know. It's just, it's not a, I don't think that's a good way to frame anything. the, the comparison is not compelling to say like we do this and they do that. It's like, why do you do this? Why the, the why behind how they show up was incredible. And a lot of times people get too stuck in what, um, but that's a digression. So back to the thing with Cody, um, wasn't a really big budget. Wasn't a tiny budget, but I mean, it was a couple thousand dollars. Um, so for me to come in, shoot for the day, you know, I ended up handling my own travel, um, So I was really producing, directing, shooting, editing. It was one of these like opportunities to do a little bit of everything, which I think we demonize too much also. Like I I think it's sort of stupid. There's definitely a world where like sticking yourself in the one man band camp forever is not necessarily the long-term goal for everyone. Right. But also like It's not the worst thing in the world. And there are times that having a very small crew is a lot more effective than having a very big crew. And I think, especially in a world where you don't have a lot of control, the flexibility of being small allows you to catch a lot of stuff that a big crew would miss. A big crew is most useful when you have a very well defined plan, you have a very clear idea, and you can afford to be slow and clunky because you just need to hit three home runs. But a big crew is really not helpful when you are very in the moment and that's where like something like this is built on being very in the moment something like um something like the unsung heroes piece that we did for usa hauling is very in the moment and so if you had this like really great concept then yeah like bring out a big team bring out a director and a dp but like in the room with cody it is most effective for me to be the person who knows the story and is the person holding the camera. I really do believe that. And there are other times that that wouldn't be true, but for this, it was the right move. So what else? I ended up booking an Airbnb, booking my flights. I flew with my gear. There's not a whole lot of crazy fun stuff to packing gear. I guess the one other interesting piece of that story is I was going straight from the shoot in Nashville to another project in Georgia for the Air Force or for for an Air Force government contractor with the Air Force so I had to pack for both shoots the the Air Force thing was more photo based which is part of why I had the a7-4 but yeah general packing tips carry on everything important check what you have to uh, pay for priority boarding if you have to because you definitely want your stuff to get overhead pack a battery on the plane Your phone. And I don't know. I'm sure I could get more packing tips, but we'll skip that. On the day showed up at Cody's house in the morning, got to meet his dad, which was cool because I already knew a bit about that. And and again, it's like people who know what they're doing. Cody knew Cody knew that his dad was a part of the story. You know, I would have done my best to pull that out anyway, but I'm pretty sure that he was the one who was like, I'm really lucky because my dad's a composer and my dad's gonna be here. And I say that just to say that, like, this is part of why working with people who know what they're doing is important. And I don't mean know what they're doing in, like, not necessarily that they're media trained or that they're the best musicians, but like, I've worked on a lot of agency and production company work where I don't think the client really knew how they showed up or what was important about what they did or why they did what they did. And the agency definitely didn't. And then at some point, you know, when it gets down to you as the director of the DP or whatever, there's only so much you can do to right the ship at that point. And so I have this really strong sense that, like, it starts at the top. And so when we're working with someone who realizes that they show up in this way, you know, if they're what I would call a challenger and they're aware of that, then we can really quickly agree on how to tell their story it's not that complicated but when you're working with someone who like it's just like I just want to find something interesting about what I do to like compel people to buy it from me a lot of the times that is really hard another digression so on the day you know i was shooting doc stuff and dakota dial was shooting directing the the product the performance videos with the scissor crane and the mini and everything and i'll be honest after being out of like bigger productions for a little bit because of covid and whatnot i definitely felt bad being around those guys like they were all super cool uh josh and sam and no one no one did anything negative but that feeling of like oh I'm the behind the scenes guy with the with the FX9 and they're the real production team with the bigger camera and the crane. Uh, And it's just like I get that. I've done that. It's a real thing. I totally validate if you feel that way. But I had to keep reminding myself like you're just doing something different. And neither one of these is necessarily more important or better or worse. It's just this is what we're doing right now and it's all part of a team thing to tell this story that Cody's telling but i definitely was like a little bit insecure so i sort of got to do my thing and and you know it's really satisfying i guess when you're in a situation where people know what they're doing something really cool is going on There's a lot of clarity on what the story is, but also a lot of rope being given. You know, Cody didn't really tie my hands in any way, which I give him a lot of credit for, too. He was sort of like, here, I'm going to point you at everything that I think is interesting and you just go buck wild. And I felt like I got to do that. And so at the end of the day, you know, it was all sort of this big run through there's some other stories from that day that would be fun to tell, but I feel like uh, they would probably require Dakota or Cody to be involved to tell them properly cuz they're not they're not really my stories. The but for me that day was like it was a lot of just bouncing around and a lot of trying to capture what's relevant, trying not to overshoot, but you also don't know what's super critical. A lot of times you don't know what someone's going to say, you don't know what's going to happen. And so there's definitely a lot of just rolling on Cody doing what Cody's doing and waiting to see if anything good comes out of it. So, you know, it definitely makes going back through and pulling some of that stuff out a little tricky, but, you know, we had the couple little pieces pulled together pretty quickly because I had a good sense of like, these are the really strong moments in this and my dog is barking at someone, but, uh, yeah, so it, I'm trying to think of what else is either interesting to me about this or might be interesting to you about this. The sort of trailer piece we did was the last big deliverable. We had talked about doing an edit that was similar to something that um, I think McLaren Formula One team does where it's almost like just a string out of raw footage. They'll put these things on. I forget what they're called. You can look them up on YouTube, but it's like 20 minutes of just un, un, like very unproduced sort of raw footage behind the scenes, which is sort of cool. Um, but we talked about doing that for this. Didn't end up doing it. I had sent Cody all the footage, which he was able to do some extra content on his side with, which is something that I've also come to just accept is like this is the way it goes. We're all remixing these stories online now and making making stories or making reels or making other things out of them. And so, you know, they're, they're, I'm not saying there's no value in, like as a company there are times that like owning your rights for something like film supply is really valuable, but I am personally much less worried now about like giving someone a hard drive full of footage, especially the people who I trust because I know that they're going to have us do the stuff that makes sense for us to do. And I have no ill will towards them being able to do more things that aren't, don't make sense to have us do with it. So another digression, but, uh, so He started releasing tracks. You know, it was sort of originally the thing was like, oh, let's like have some of this stuff to post like day of. And then, you know, again, it's more his story to tell than mine because I don't even know the details, but it ended up getting delayed a lot. And so a lot of this stuff didn't come out for a few weeks and then a few months. And, you know, at this point, the doc came out, I don't even know, December or January or something. And we shot it in like June or July. But the doc edit was something that we had sort of talked about potentially doing but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a commitment and really like um i think it was like a week before the album dropped he sort of came back to me and was like hey i would love for you to to make something that strings all these songs together cuz we had put some some separate little snippets out but like there's a piece about sailboat there's you know some pieces about the project And so that was really cool, but I had, you know, a week to try and turn together a 20 something minute edit. Thankfully, a ton of it is performance videos that I had nothing to do with. You know, I was really just making transitions to tie this bigger story together, but that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of issues with that on the back end with like little, little things that were like, Cody is very, Cody is very, um, what's the way to say this? Cody is very free to let people create like he's like hey here do what you're gonna do cody is definitely also the kind of person who is very intentional and so when you give him an edit i wouldn't say that he's like nitpicky because he's never he's never saying anything that's not true he's someone who gives you feedback that is very specific and very direct but it's like the best kind of feedback and so he definitely had some notes that was like hey uh, you know, what if, what if this happened next? Or what if we changed the order of these things a little bit? Or what if, you know, this clip faded in slightly differently? Or what if the transitions, I want the transitions to all be hard cuts. There's no fades. And like every note, I think made it better. So, but it was definitely like the last three days of getting ready to drop that thing was like, and tweak it again and tweak it again and tweak it again. And it ended up, you know, the night before it went out, I think we were up trying to export it. Exporting a 22 minute long thing is also a kick in the dick, honestly. And then uploading it to Dropbox and downloading it on his end and re-uploading it. And then we were having these weird issues sometimes in the exports with like audio glitches. So we sent what I thought was a final and he downloaded it. We watched it all the way through, put it out. And I don't even remember exactly what the problem was. I think there was like a weird little data moshing thing. Yeah, that's what it was, which was just a random Premiere glitch as far as I could tell because I went to watch it on the big TV and was like, oh no, went into the file and was like, oh, it's in the file. It's not YouTube and then re-exported it exact same settings and it was gone. So i wasn't anything in the raw footage or anything, but we ended up, he had to, he was like, at first he was like, oh, we'll just let it go. And then he was like, no, we've put all the work into this. It has to be good. So the night before that night that it went out, it had been out for, you know, I don't know, an hour or two, probably at least by the time he pulled it down, it had a couple thousand views already, but he was like, we're going to kill it. Re-upload it in the morning. Um, One small tip there that I had known, but we ended up doing later in the process. We initially thought it was going to be simple, so we didn't do this, but you can basically get like a guest login to someone's YouTube account. So like he, I was able, I, f- I forget the exact process. You can Google it. It's pretty easy. But so that like he could basically send me to be not an admin, but like a user on his um YouTube account. And then I, I couldn't see all his stuff and I can't do everything. Like you can't see the monetization stuff or anything, but you can still upload a video. And so instead of me uploading it to Dropbox, him downloading it and then re-uploading it to YouTube, I just started uploading them direct to YouTube to cut a few hours out of that loop. Um, so that was the big story there. Otherwise, I don't know. It, it was a really fun project for me just because I really believe in what he's doing. And, you know, even the part after we did the interview, I think he texted me or said something that he was like, the part where I talk about, you know, kids and orchestras is really important. And so that's just another good example to me of like, find people who know what they're doing or find people who are really interesting to you and like just be curious about it. But they, they all have to have sort of a good reason to tell a good story. One of my favorite pieces I ever did was for this Oh Wonder All We Do music video. Um, it's on my Vimeo. I think it's called All We Do Harry, Director's Cut or something. But it's a very simple piece, and I just think that like his perspective is so interesting. And that's one of those things that's like we're working on a project for the Music Bed Challenge right now, and a lot of it for me has to do with exploring something that is interesting and compelling to me and that I feel like I can help articulate and add some artistic license onto, which is another thing that's important to me. Like Cody, Cody is cool for me because I get it. Like I I feel like at some level I get why he's doing what he's doing. I came from music before film. Like I can just see, you have to be able to see it yourself too, to be able to communicate How great it is. And I think that's something that I see a lot of people online do is they try to walk into a space that they don't really care about because it's like visually interesting. And I think to make anything great, you sort of have to care. Like the people who are the best bike filmmakers are also legitimately bicyclists. And like the people who are the best like suicide related mental health storytellers are people who have gone through that. So you have to find stories that you can see yourself in and that the other person has some sense of their story. And, uh, that's, that's where I've always found magic. So I was really grateful for that opportunity with Cody. Obviously it's cool that a lot of people get to see it, but more than anything, it was just fun for me to be a part of that and to get to make something that I was proud of. So I don't think we had any major like mishaps, nothing, nothing broke, nothing didn't work flights were easy there and back. Yeah, it wasn't a. it all went relatively according to plan, which is unusual. So, the next story I tell, I'm sure will be about something that was a total shit show, but this was not that. So, I think that's the end of the story. I am glad that you listened to this super secret story i pray that you don't tell anyone because this stuff is for real filmmakers only so you're in the club don't let anyone else in the club man and i love you